T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome in. BMAS and Beamer. Brian Masarowski here with you for the next hour today on WBEN. A lot going on locally, of course. Uh, Big news day. Lots to cover. I'm, uh, you know, yesterday I said curling is the official television show of this program. It's turned around today. You got uh, USA Hockey on here. And I said this earlier. If you have one of these, you know, new sports betting apps on your phone, if you, you know, place bets, and you didn't bet on the U.S. to beat China head-to-head in hockey? I mean, can you call yourself an American today? Is that uh, You have to, right? It's begging for it. They've got a uh, 2 nothing lead right now, so uh, everything's looking pretty good. Uh, the mask mandate, we began to talk about it yesterday, and basically what we were expecting to happen happened. As the mask mandate is gone in most places except for schools. Uh, Which, as I said yesterday, it is a position that when you look at what the message is now. That if you're 50, 60 plus years old, you can go out uh, to eat, to a bar, restaurant, feel free to act without any sort of restriction, but if you're six years old, that doesn't apply to you in school, that is statistically unreasonable, incorrect. I'm not sure the uh, word exactly that I'm looking for, but it does not make sense if we're evaluating it by risk of hospitalization and death which is what we've been told for, uh, you know, uh, much of the last time. And this came out of the Atlantic, and you're seeing more and more of these. I mean, every single day it's another publication with a new, you know, thing with the same title. Uh, This is by Yasha Monk. And uh, they wrote that uh, the title of the piece is Open Everything. And there's just one brief thing in there. Uh, that you know, I kind of, uh, resonated with me a little bit, and you know, it speaks a little bit to the impact of the continued masking in schools. But I thought it spoke more to me in uh, <laughs> in person. Uh, this part where they said Ex- accepting restrictions that weaken social ties when they seemed temporary was one thing; putting up with them indefinitely is quite another for many the sense that we'll live in pandemic purgatory for months or years to come now poses 
a heavy psychological burden. And I, I think a lot of people out there listening to this are kind of in the same way. Uh, much like me, you know, even with the news yesterday, and even if they were to come out and say, okay, uh, we're lifting it in schools, everywhere, no masks. This idea that it will just be put right back in place, this idea that uh, these emergency powers still exist on either a state or county or whatever level you want to put there, I, it does still have that, uh, they call it a psychological burden. I will um, kind of uh, put it as a sense of malaise. It just, it imposes that sense of malaise on you. That, okay, okay, you can say we're moving forward, but I'm not feeling it too much. I don't believe it unless it is completely back to normal, open. And there's not this, you know, caveat of, well, we can do it again if we need to. So I, I was feeling that. That was written in The Atlantic, uh, posted yesterday. I believe, on the day where they lifted the masking restrictions. And then, of course, the other main story, uh, the shooting and stabbing outside of McKinley High School in Buffalo. Now, there's a a lot to unpack here, and I do want to make one, and uh, we spoke with Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown earlier today, repeated this. He made a, a specific mention of this yesterday. In fact, I'll even play for you uh, exactly his words from yesterday and what he was uh, talking about. Uh, Mayor Byron Brown, he was speaking after the incident in front of a heavy law enforcement presence. Uh, Here's what he had to say. Obviously, we never want any kind of violent incident inside or outside or around our school buildings, but it's very important to note Uh, that this did occur outside of the school. It did not occur inside the school. Uh, We have a very uh, strong law enforcement partnership, and there's a very close partnership uh, between uh, the Buffalo Police and the Buffalo Public Schools, uh, enabling our uh, D District Police Station and other law enforcement agencies to respond very quickly. So there's the mayor after the incident happened, and he made that distinction. This was not, you know, as reports started to come out, and you're thinking school shooting, you're thinking kind of like, oh, no, and everybody has this picture in their head of exactly what that looks like and what that means. Uh, But this wasn't exactly that. Now, as the mayor said, and it doesn't really need to be said, but of course nobody wants to see any sort of violence like this, whether it's near a school or just in general. But it is important to point out, I mean, this is an act of violence, and and there is a question of, you know, could this have been avoided? We always ask that when something like that, uh, like this happens inside of a school. But could this have been avoided? You really have to look at this almost in the same way that you look at any incident of violence anywhere. On any street, in any community, you know, could this have been avoided? And that's one of the big questions there. Uh, Coming up at 9.30, we're going to be joined by Mo Kennedy. Mo is executive director of the National Association of School Resource Officers. 
He's going to react to the story yesterday. It was a security guard, not a police officer, who, uh, as the mayor said, uh, he wanted to commend him for his heroic actions that were taken yesterday, who uh, I, at last that I have heard has been released from ECMC, suffered gunshot wounds while trying to intervene in that altercation yesterday. But Mo will join us to kind of look at that question, how these things can be avoided. And the greater question of, and this is unknown in this case, the greater question of how do you you know, prevent it before it happens just simply by word of mouth, by having that ear to the ground and being tuned in to what people are saying online, inside of school, and maybe even outside of school, if that makes its way into school. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, that with Mo coming up in just a little bit there. He is, again, executive director of the National Association of School Resource Officers. There is also something this, you jump to conclusions a lot, and it's become commonplace to, you know, want the answers right away. And you can't always do that. You can't always make assumptions. There's an assumption right now, and for good reason, because it would kind of fit the profile that this was a dispute that may have originated outside of the school building or maybe inside that people might have had prior knowledge to that was almost destined to end in this type of violence. It was only a matter of when. But you do have to be careful because that's not known for sure. This attacker who is not yet in custody could be somebody completely unknown to the person he attacked. Could have nothing to do with McKinley High School. I mean, you don't know that quite yet. So I do want to be careful about jumping to any of these conclusions. Uh, there is room for questioning, though. There is room for examination without, you know, having that. Uh, a key example of this, we spoke about this earlier with Jeff Ronaldo. He uh, is a former captain at the Buffalo Police Department. And I had the same question, right? Um, and a lot of people did when it came out originally. The report was that the not just the security officer was shot, but also the student was shot as well. And then a little bit later on at night, I mean hours after, there was an update that it was not a shooting, it was a, a stabbing. That this student was stabbed multiple times and not shot. And people kind of go, well, how do you mess that up? You know, how do you not tell the difference? And, I, I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a reasonable question to ask. As we heard from Jeff Ronaldo a little bit earlier, you know, there's chaos, confusion. There's somebody wounded who's being taken away very quickly. You're left with very little information. And you go with what you have. And it does take time to sort this out before you have all those answers. So that is the one thing, you know, before you jump to conclusions, and, you know, trust me, I've seen it all morning long on our text board. People jumping to conclusions about what happened, what may have happened, or what didn't happen, what this was, why there was a dispute. You don't know any of these answers yet. So I would just say be aware of that. What I'm interested to hear from you and... 
the one thing we can examine with some definite answers is the response from the school district. And you can let me know, 803-0930, if you're a parent, how are you notified? How would you expect to be notified of an incident like this? How does your school district stay in contact with you? We heard from a lot of parents yesterday who said that they really did not have any sort of uh, good indication of what was going on, that communication was poor, that they had to find out through the media that there was even an incident that occurred at the school. And, you know, could that have been improved upon? I'm sure it could have. How much information was there to give? I'm not sure at the time. Um, What do you want parents to do in that situation? You know, if you're the school district, I'm assuming you don't want every parent uh, of every kid in there to rush to the scene as there's an active investigation going on. There was even, you know, lockdown nearby because the suspect is still on the loose, so you don't want to bring more people to the area. I mean, could that be a reason for it? But there was still the question of communication. So 803-0930, you can let me know on our text board. You can give me a call this morning. How are you notified by your school district of, you know, whether it be a serious event like this or anything? School closure because of a power outage. We have that in uh, Maryvale. You know, any of these instances, how are you notified? How do you want to be notified? What's the best way for a school to keep in touch with their parent? I'm not sure if that, you know, could have been handled any better. Yesterday, uh, you listen to some parents, they say absolutely it could have been handled just uh, a little bit better including this parent. I heard from my son himself. He actually texted me and let me know that there was a shooting and a lockdown. Also, a friend called and let me know. Absolutely no correspondence from McKinley or uh, the superintendent. Get texts every single day about meetings, phone calls, voicemails, no correspondence. And I'm very upset about that. So that's how that kind of played out yesterday. I mean, what would you expect in that situation? Somebody chiming in right now uh, without naming the district. uh, We automatically get a phone call and an email stating there was a shelter in place. I mean, that's kind of what I would expect. Uh, A robocall, you know, obviously not a personal one to, you know, send out to hundreds of kids. Uh, But an email, a phone call saying there was a shelter in place, kind of spelling out what is going on whether or not we want parents to go to the scene. I mean, it's every parent's fear, right, that something is going to happen when they're not there and they don't know the information about it. But how are you notified? How do you want to be notified in a situation like that? Um, Did Buffalo do a good enough job of notifying parents, if you are a parent at McKinley, of what happened yesterday? All these things I want to know, and uh, you can let me know. Uh, We are uh, approaching a break here. We are hoping to be joined. I'm trying to, uh, you know, situate, do do three things at once with uh, Mo Kennedy. I'm not sure if he will uh, be joining us in the next segment. (laughs) 
I'm looking at uh, 15 uh, missed phone calls and text messages on the phone. Uh, But what could have been done differently when it comes to notifying parents? And and what is your expectation from schools? Uh, That's what I'm uh, pretty interested in here at WBEN this morning. Uh, Somebody else uh, saying uh, call each parent individually with a detailed message. I I mean, the problem with that is... You got hundreds of kids. You have limited staff and hundreds and hundreds of parents. You're not going to be able to make individualized phone calls to every single one. It has to be a message you get out there clearly and right now. All right, back here on BMAS and Beamer. A lot of you weighing in. How do you want to be notified as a parent if a situation like yesterday's unfolded? Now, again, this was a shooting that happened outside of a school. It appeared to be an isolated incident. We're talking about the shooting and stabbing at McKinley High School. How do you want to be notified? That was one major critique of parents yesterday. What could have been done better? Could anything have been done better? What's your expectation in a situation like this? 803-0930 to join me on this. Uh, What do you want to know? A lot of people are weighing in on this topic on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, 803-0930. That's the number to call or text this morning. Uh, somebody saying, as a Buff State parent, they received text messages about the lockdown that happened yesterday. So they were kept up to date on a situation, they say, a little bit more than what the school district did. Uh, another person chiming in saying that it we're being a little too harsh on the school district right now. Now, I would agree with this point that this texter is making um, to an extent. Uh, They say that they would expect in a school emergency that the officials are dealing with the emergency, not running to the office to send a text message with potentially incorrect information. Um, Now, I agree obviously with that to some extent. You want to deal with the emergency. You don't want to send out incorrect or misleading information. However, I, there is, it is not, you know, a heavy burden with the, the staff a school has. I mean, it would be to, you're not going to call in each individual, but to send out, you know, a text, we have a similar service here. If you get our push notifications through the Odyssey app on your phone. There is an ability to do that quickly And to convey the message that there's a situation, it's working on being resolved, and that there is either a present danger or that students are believed to be all safe. And that's as clear as you could get because if that doesn't happen, what we have yesterday happens, right? Where all of a sudden there is a report of a shooting at a school, and that's a very open-ended statement to make and a very scary statement if you're one of the parents. And if that's the message you're getting first through Twitter, social media, uh, the news in some form, I I would have liked just a, a little bit of information from the school to tell, all right, is this something that I have to be worried about right now? We'll be back with your calls on Beam as and Beamer. 
Welcome back. Uh, Brian Mazurowski here with you on WBEN. Uh, We're talking about the events outside of McKinley High School yesterday. And, you know, I want to stay away from the basic details because we don't know them yet. We don't even have, as far as we know, a suspect in custody. And we're still learning information about the event as it took place. So I don't think it would be fair to go off and, you know, oh, what could have been done to prevent this? I I mean, we don't even know. This could have been a random person walking down the street committing this attack. It could have been somebody who knew it could have been a dispute from inside the school. It could have been a dispute that started outside the school. There are so many different scenarios that I think it's unfair right now to just start wildly speculating. But there is one aspect of this that you can speak to right now and is not just an issue in Buffalo. It's an issue everywhere. How do you want to be notified? What do you need to know as a parent if something like this were to happen in your school? Let's uh, 803-0930 if you want to weigh in on that. 803-0930, either by giving us a call or on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. Uh, we'll start on the phones. Al is in Amherst. Al, thanks for uh, listening and calling. What's on your mind in this situation? How do you want the school district to handle communication with parents? Well, I mean, I, I do believe they did get the communication out as fast as they could. I, I kind of agree with Kinder Cash that you got to be careful that you're not uh, distributing misinformation. Uh, it was a, a, a it was a fluid investigation. Uh, things were happening pretty quick. Uh, my comment in general, though, is that I have several educators in my family. I live with one. The bad behavior in the schools are completely off the chart. Uh, the violent behavior, um, I think the school system was well aware of situation brewing at McKinley. I know I go by Riverside High School every day. Almost every day there are several police cars in front of that school. Uh, this can't be tolerated. The violent, violent students need to be removed from the situation. It makes it impossible for everybody else to learn. Uh, something just needs to be done. The unions have been screaming this. It's no secret. I'm not saying yesterday couldn't have been prevented, but uh, this is just getting worse. And what really alarms me is the, uh, the violent incidents among girls seems to be very much on the rise also. I, I don't think it was a, as much of a problem in the past, but um, I'm becoming very aware that this is also happening uh, with the female population in these schools, and I think I think we need to do something about it. Hey, Al, thanks for the call this morning, and uh, I've heard that a lot over the past year, especially coming back from not being in school for so long. You don't have communication in school. Maybe there is uh, less, I don't know, oversight of this dispute. A lot of the dispute happens outside of school. Eventually it does get brought into the classroom. It's only gotten worse in the last year. I've heard the same thing from a lot of educators this year. How do you handle the situation of contacting parents? I, it is, it's tough, I think, to place blame on the school district for not getting the word out. I mean, it is one thing to, if you weren't communicated with at all, 
That's obviously a problem. But if we're talking about the timing, uh, there are a, a few different things to keep in mind. Uh, we'll go over to our text board. Somebody is saying uh, who works in a school that their school is begging parents not to block the school number. However, many do because they don't want calls about sick kids or other issues, especially at the high school level. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they said it's very hard to reach parents on a good day, much less during an emergency. Uh, somebody else chiming in that, you know, the speed of which I, you're juggling a few different things here. But with everybody having a phone inside of the school, to have the school get the word out before students do on their phone. And, you know, if you're a student in school, you're not concerned about accuracy. You're not concerned about uh, whether or not we want people coming down to the school building itself or not. You're just getting the word out. You're texting mom or dad or, or somebody else. And to have, it's near impossible for the school to beat, you know, a student with a cell phone in the situation to the punch. Uh, but it is important to get it out quick to, you know, if I'm a parent and I get that text from my son or daughter and there's a lot of confusion, nobody really knows what's going on. Hey, I heard there was gunshots, we're being told to stay inside the classroom, that can mean so many different things. I, I would hope for a, a pretty quick indication from the school that, listen, I don't need to know all the details. I just need to know one thing. Is there a present danger or not? Should I be rushing to the location or not? I mean, in that case, even if they say no, it's understandably going to be hard to keep parents from doing just that. We'll go over to Pat. Pat's in Buffalo. You're on WBEN. I, it's a tough situation, I think, for schools. It's tough to put the blame on them, but how should schools best handle this situation, Pat? Well, in my opinion, under the circumstances, I think they handled it as best as they could. Um, you have to look at the factors. The kid got what was really seriously hurt, and the officer was shot. So they had to maintain all that in around that area. They had to make sure that nothing, nobody was going to um, damage the evidence that was there or anything. Anybody knows that. They also had to turn around and call the parent whose son was really needing medical attention. He's a minor. Those parents, that has to come first because those parents have to be able to get to the hospital. Hello? I'm with you here, Pat. Okay. They have to be able to get to the hospital, sign the consents, and everything else before they can even do anything to a kid, to, to that kid. And as far as notifying, it was on WBEN News. They, they kept repeating it. They kept repeating it that it was it was contained and everything else. And my opinion is, yes, parents do get very, very nervous and concerned when you hear that. It's, an, it's a second nature to parents. 
But parents also have to realize if it's brought across the radio, they should realize that it's being taken care of and the best method that they can do at the time. I mean, the police officers, the helicopters, it was within there. They were doing what they had to do. They had to keep people away from it and keep them contained so they could take care of it. But, I mean, you can't blame a school like when you say people are jamming up the phones and everything else. How can they respond if the parents don't give them the chance to say, hey, look, this is what's going on. It's contained. Give us a couple of minutes to get everything quieted down and controlled. But they don't. They are, it's, everybody wants to run to the schools. And I think that's more of a hazard to the kids than anything else. Because kids, when they see their parents outside, say it was a, a, a guy with a submachine uh, gun in it, and he was taking pot shots. And their parents are out there waving to their kids, come on. And the kids say, oh, I'm going to run to my parents. They're going to get shot. Yeah. Uh, Pat, I appreciate the call. I do not think that that situation would play out. You can stand across the street from a school. Hey, come on over here. And they can just go. That's not how that would ever play out. But, I, you know, to your point about it was all over the news, I, you can't, I mean, assume that people are watching the news and watching this on TV and, and following what's going on, whether it's via us or somebody else, most people I know aren't paying attention to the news ever. <laughs> they're, not, they're not listening to uh, news. They're not watching news. They're not paying attention to news on their phone. I, I mean, that's most people I know. You, so you can't just make that assumption if you're the school district. Ah, you know, people will find out. But, you know, to your point, Pat, I think it's just a few simple key pieces of information that need to be shared as fast as possible. And the hope is that you can do that. It's, are students safe to the best of your knowledge? Can I go to the school building or is there a reason you want me not to? And just those two key pieces of information, I think, are what should be the expectation on a district to convey to parents. And those are the two most important. It's not going to stop everybody from showing up at the school, obviously. I mean, that's human nature. If you're a concerned parent in that situation, to rush to where your child is, it's you're not going to stop everyone with that. But if you were to say, you know, due to a police investigation outside of the school, we're asking that parents do not come to the school building. Students are safe inside. I think that for the most part, people will be responsive of that request. Sandy is on WBEN. Sandy, what's on your mind on this? believe that the parents always have a right to know and that a mass text system is the best but I had something my kids are all adults now but when my oldest son was in eighth grade I pulled up to pick him up from school middle school and uh, school was on lockdown cops everywhere and I got out of my car and I asked a few parents what's going on oh we don't know we don't know 
So I called the police officer and I said, I'd like to know what's going on. He says, we're not at liberty to say. And I said, well, then I'm going in. He goes, you can't do that. You're going to have to arrest me. I said, I'm going in. And so there was a female cop there and she said to him, just tell her. So what had basically happened was a boy had committed suicide, um, not in the school, but at home. And they were afraid that the kids would get out of school, go home and do a copycat thing. Um, so they had all the kids in a an assembly. Unfortunately, they did not remove the boy's sister, and she found out in the assembly that he had killed himself. So that was a big mess. But I just feel like you have the right. I feel like there have been situations where we've waited too long to go into these situations. The police have even waited too long, and that if the parents want to risk themselves for their kids, I, and I don't advocate that in mass. But I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to hold off for three hours while there's kids holed up in the ceiling and there's a shooting, I think that's ridiculous. And then afterwards, we try to assure our kids that they're safe. Yeah, Sandy, I, I think you hit on a but he came. A, you, you hit on a clear uh, a key point here, and there's a big difference between what happened yesterday and yes. if this were to happen uh, on any other street in any other situation. Uh, by all accounts. Usually when these lockdowns take effect, we, we do get the indication afterward that there was not a danger to students inside. Now, in a lot of cases, if an attack like this were to happen, Sandy, the police would be a little coy with information due to an ongoing investigation. They don't want to share everything they know. However, when it does involve a school or does happen near a school, that's when things have to be tweaked a little bit, and you have to say, all right, you know, we can, uh, without jeopardizing anything, we can, you know, give you as much information as possible because we know that that sanity is an important aspect here. And at the end of the day, is going to help us get our, our job done because we don't want every single parent to be asking all the time, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, if we know that we can really tell them you don't have to worry. Yes, and that's and, and as soon as they told me what was going on, I backed off. But to stand outside and watch all these police officers surrounding the school, and you don't know what's happening in there, and your kids in there, I, that's nonsense. I mean, I believe they do have to. But if they use the mass text system, then they could reassure everybody of what's going on. You know, no kids are in danger right now. The incident has passed. There's been one injury. That parent has been notified. That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sandy, appreciate the call. Thanks for listening. And that, you know, depending on who you talk to, there was some communication between the school district and parents yesterday. But obviously, not every parent got the message. And not everyone got it in a timely fashion. And that's who we heard from yesterday. I mean, that is what led to uh, the clips like this that we've been playing for you this morning. I heard from my son himself. He actually texted me and let me know that it was a shooting and a lockdown. Also, a friend called and let me know. Absolutely no correspondence from McKinley or uh, the superintendent. Get texts every single day about meetings, phone calls, voicemails, no correspondence. And I'm very upset about that. So, so that's what we heard from parents after, and that's why we have, you know, this situation here. What is your expectation? Uh, 
um, you know, the bare minimum expectation, if there's a situation like this around the school, again, it is key to remember, this was not something that happened inside the school building. It was an attack outside of the school. What is your expectation from the school in terms of communicating that information with you? We'll go to Steve next. Steve, you're on WBEN. Uh, Steve, how are you taking in this whole situation? You know, I have to look at it from the standpoint of the school and and from a law enforcement perspective. And people don't seem to realize that unless you are in law enforcement or you are in school administration, very few people have actually any idea what goes into investigating a threat or responding to a situation like this. And the, the first thought of all parents is to, yeah, I need to go to the school. I need to get my kid. But like you've said, like some of the other callers have said, it just creates chaos. And it actually makes the team less safe for everybody else involved. Steve, I'm, I'm going to guess just by the cadence of your voice. Are you a police officer? I am. All right. I, we, we've talked to a lot to uh, get to know that. I, on a, a situation like this, is it different in your mind Um, Going back to our last caller, this attack could have played out on any street anywhere in western New York. But because it happened right outside of a school and caused a school to go into lockdown, should that change the way police give out information? I think it should. Absolutely. Just like I said, for the simple fact that when you're trying to gather evidence, when you're trying to make sure that everybody's accounted for you know obviously we know that there was there was one student victim and one uh, adult victim but at the time responding to a call like that you have no idea what you're going to walk into Um, those situations are very fluid we have to make sure that there's not more victims that are you know lying behind a bush that nobody knows about and if there's four or five six hundred parents running around screaming trying to get into the building some of those things could easily be overlooked, and, and that person could go without medical care that they so desperately need at that point. Steve, to that point on information, you know, not everything is known right away. And I'll give the example of yesterday. It had been reported, even by officers, officials on the scene, that the student had been shot. It was then later corrected to say the student had been stabbed multiple times. I, a lot of people on the outside are looking at that. Well, how could you not tell the difference? I, there is a little chaos that goes on that makes it hard for even everybody to have all of the correct facts. I mean, how could that of uh, – I don't want to – I want to be careful. I, I hate using the word misinformation now in 2022. But I think I know how, how to answer it. Sure. Yeah, I, I can with, – with a pretty good degree of certainty, I can almost guarantee – that the information that the student was shot did not come from law enforcement or the school. That was an outside person, a parent, a, a teacher who thought they knew what was going on, a, a, a bystander, that they just blew something. I don't want to say blew it out of proportion, but they made an assumption. They heard a gunshot, and they just they thought they were doing the right thing, trying to get the information out. But at the end, it was incorrect. And like I said, I can guarantee that it did not come from the school or law enforcement. At the end of the day, Steve, I think parents just want to know two things. Is my uh, my child in danger? It, it, are they currently safe? And can I head to the scene of the school? Generally speaking, 
Um, are those two questions, can they be answered rather quickly in an investigation like this? Succinctly, the second question, as difficult as it may be, I'm a parent myself, going to the school will not help. You know, like I said, with all those people running around, if, if you can find it within yourself to maybe stage a little bit further away until you get more information, sure. But, the, but to your first question, is school safe? I, I do believe so, you know, because police officers are very uh, well aware of what school buildings and what districts are in their, in their jurisdiction, how to handle them, how to approach them. Most of them go through all the buildings, so they're familiar with the layout. And as far as the school district goes, the schools are, are very well trained on how to handle threats and emergencies. You can't, obviously, you can't expect or train for every different scenario, but by and large, I, I really do believe that school districts do a very good job of being prepared. Steve, appreciate the call. Thanks for listening as well. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow. Thanks for all of uh, your calls and texts throughout the day. And uh, this conversation, I'm sure, will continue throughout the day here on WBEN. I'm uh, Brian, back with you here. Well, really, 5 o'clock, but 9 o'clock as well. It's tomorrow morning. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.